Thank you, Richard. Um, please keep those verses open. Uh, we can look at it in three, uh, under three headings. Uh, there they are up on the screen. Um, first one, standing firm in a hostile world. Standing firm in a hostile world. Uh, last autumn, I was helping lead Christianity Explored uh, with Kate, and a young couple came, and it was a great joy to have them in the group, because they just got it. As we work through Mark's Gospel, uh, they understood who Jesus was, and they understood our great need of him. It was a joy. But I'll never forget one evening, about halfway through the six weeks, I came back and Rob said, I'm just beginning to sense a bit of pushback, a bit of hostility to what I'm doing here. I think it was a a bit of gentle ribbing in the workplace. Um, And it was unnerving and it came as a surprise to him. I can't remember how I answered Uh, But I hope I said, um, that's okay. Uh, Better still, be encouraged, because that's a sign that you've got the genuine gospel. Uh, Because being a follower of Jesus Christ is never going to win us a popularity contest in this world. These Thessalonian Christians would certainly agree, wouldn't they? Uh, Look with me at chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering uh, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 14. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets also drove us out. And then finally, 3, verse 2. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. So not only was Paul getting in the neck, but these new converts too. Perhaps they were being abused in the street, ignored at the school gate, maybe some even losing their jobs, I don't know. And of course the great temptation for them, uh, as it is for all of us when hardship comes, is to give up on Jesus and to go with the flow go back to living as everyone else lives around. So as Paul writes from Athens, he's he's overflowing with joy, overjoyed that his fears haven't been realised. This young church is not only standing firm, better still, they've become a model church to all the other churches in the region. I hope there are some here this evening... Uh, who are not yet Christian. Uh, Maybe you're new, uh, still looking in uh, to what this Christian thing is all about. Well, if that is you, do be clear that following Jesus is never going to be the answer to all your problems. 
He is the answer to our greatest problem, uh, that appointment with our maker that we all face on death. But for now, authentic Christian discipleship uh, will always be marked in some way by suffering and struggle. And if you are a follower of Jesus uh, this evening, I wonder what the pressure points are in your life at the moment, where perhaps, like Paul and the Thessalonians, you're getting it in the neck for your allegiance to Jesus, and you're tempted to uh, shrink back, to give up. Perhaps it's just the the frustrations, the disappointments, uh, the struggles with life uh, that feeds that temptation to shrink back, uh, to give up. I don't know about you, I want to grow in my love for Jesus uh, when the sun is on my back, uh, the wind is in my sails, all is well with the world. Uh, but God in his wisdom hasn't ordered it that way. Uh, no, it's through the, the difficulties of life, the hardships that he shapes our character and grows our dependence upon his son. But we need to be clear that he never leaves us alone in the struggle to keep trusting Jesus. Uh, he gives us many helps And the one we're to learn about in these few verses is the example of godly leaders which we're to learn from and to follow. So to our second heading, follow my leader. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking back to my childhood and I had vague memories of playing this game. So if you wouldn't, just indulge me for a moment. It's not very sophisticated. I'm the leader and whatever I do, you've got to follow, okay? Got it, Basil? (laughs) Okay, let's go. I'm the lead. Okay, hands in the air. Wiggle those fingers. Keep them up up there a moment because this is so good. John's on holiday in the States and I just want to take a photo (laughs) and just show what happens. Keep them up there. What happens when he goes away to church? That is fantastic. Basil, you're not being obedient. (laughs) Okay, keep them up there, up there, up there, there. Follow my leader, we all know how it works. I'm the leader. And. Okay, game over. Follow my leader, very simple, isn't it? God's sovereignty and human responsibility always go together in the Bible. So, chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, For we know, brothers and sisters, Paul writes, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. So the reason these Thessalonians are trusting Jesus is not a work of man but God. They've come to trust Jesus because of God's work. But in the same breath, we see, he carries on, uh, we see human responsibility. He says, you know how we lived among you for your sake. God's sovereignty, this is a work of God human responsibility. You know how we lived while we were with you. You see, Paul's lifestyle 
that the way he lived, the example he, he set as he brought the good news of Jesus to them is really important. And all through our chapter, he's wanting to remind them of what they have seen and know of his life. So chapter 2, verse 1, he writes, You know. Verse 2, As you know. Verse 5, You know. Verse 9, Surely you remember. Verse 10, You are our witnesses. Verse 11, For you know. You see, he's wanting to remind these vulnerable Christians who he was and how he'd lived while he was with them because it's almost certain that his character and his ministry were being rubbished. It seems likely that uh, when he first brought the message to them, he was only with them a short time, probably as short as three weeks. In Acts 17, um, we're told... Uh, over three Sabbath days. And if the hostility against him and his message was so great that the troublemakers followed him to Berea to stir up trouble, you can well imagine the accusations that were being brought against him. He had to do a run of that bloke, Paul, because he's a fraud. He knows that he's only got a three-week shelf life before everyone sees him for what he is. Even those dimwits who have fallen for that nonsense about a bloke rising from the dead, uh, they'll soon realise he's only in it for himself and for the money. But Paul counters, verse 2, As you know, with the help of God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as though... as as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We weren't looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Paul is clear that God's reputation hangs on theirs. The apostles' lifestyle, integrity, is so important because we're told that these Thessalonians became imitators of Paul and Silas and Timothy. One of the great helps that uh, God gives us to learn the Christian life, uh, to grow in our discipleship, is to follow the example of godly leaders, to follow my leader. But of course, with that comes great pressure on the leader, doesn't it? I think that's one of the reasons why I chose not to go into full-time ordained ministry, because I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to cope with the pressure. That's not to let me off the hook, because I am a leader. Many of us here are leaders who are called, verse 10, to live holy, righteous, and blameless lives among you who believed. It was lovely as Richard was praying earlier that he prayed for Steve and the leadership here. Do we pray 
for our leaders, uh, for Steve, for John, for Rachel, for David, who will be joining us uh, after Easter, uh, for those that lead our small groups, our children workers, uh, our music, our parents as they lead their families. And church is never us and them. Church is always us. And in many ways, all of us here, if we are following Jesus Christ, we are all leaders. Uh, We are setting a pattern in lifestyle for others to follow. We never live the Christian life in a vacuum. Uh, We are being watched and we are noticing each other all the time. So as we follow the example and pray for those that God has appointed in leadership over us, uh, will we in turn encourage them as we set an example of hard work and godliness uh, for one another, for others to follow? Look at this verse from uh, Hebrews that the writer writes, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And again in Corinthians, lovely memory verse, all the ones, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul writes, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So Paul followed Jesus' example as the Thessalonians followed Paul's example as you and I, Christchurch Cambridge, we are to follow their example. And what is true for each of these along the way? That Jesus, Paul, Thessalonians, all suffered. So we should never be surprised when our following Jesus is a, a not a walk in the park. Authentic discipleship will likely be marked with uh, struggle and hardship. And Christian uh, leadership is not the way the world does leadership, uh, where privilege and palaces often distance leaders from those that they supposedly serve. Uh, Jesus and Paul wonderfully lived what they taught, and we're called to do the same. So follow my leader. Christian leaders are to lead by example, but yes, by enduring suffering, uh, but to our third and uh, last point, um, by sharing the gospel and sharing lives. Look with me at verse 8, which in many ways is a summary of uh, these verses. Because we loved you so much, Thessalonians, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So what does genuine Christian love look like? It's about sharing the gospel as we share our lives, or sharing our lives as we share the gospel. The two always go together. I said a moment ago, didn't I, that uh, being a church leader um, can be a tough gig. And it can give rise to what I call fortress vicarage. Uh, That's where the the minister's home becomes a place of protected sanctuary. This is is my own theory. You can decide for yourself whether there's any truth in it. Um, But because the job is hard 
very easy for the minister to retreat into the home to make that uh, a safe place for him, his family, for the few, uh, to find the, the security, the strength from which to go out to serve. But that's not what we have here at Christchurch. Uh, I reckon with the welcome suppers that we have, just a little example, but the welcome suppers that we have at Steve and Beth's house, um, everyone here should have been through the vicarage, gone there to enjoy a lovely meal cooked by Beth. And if you haven't yet been, if that's not true for you, then listen out for the next Welcome Supper uh, coming up shortly, whenever. Um, Every week, all of the staff, uh, sometimes in their families, sometimes more than 20, go into the vicarage uh, to enjoy uh, a meal together. That's not because... Our senior minister is special, although he is. It's because our senior minister is obedient. Um, He's simply living out these verses. And it's for our benefit as our leaders share their lives with us because we learn what authentic Christian disciple looks like. And it's actually for their benefit because it means that we can help them to keep their feet on the ground. So when Steve comes up with the idea of um, maybe ordering that private jet, we can say, well, maybe that's not a great idea. You see, sharing lives is, is the way that God has ordered things. It is what Paul is telling us here. And it's a brilliant thing as we care for one another and we look out for one another. These verses, these verses are wonderfully relational, aren't they? that Paul writes, uh, verse 7, Instead, we were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. We loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So how are we to love one another? Well, it's not just by sharing lives, getting close to each other, uh, but it's also about sharing the gospel. Um, this is a great book, um, one of my favourite books, Jesus Continued, um, Why the Spirit Inside You is Better Than Jesus Beside You. Uh, I bought it because I love the title and it's not let me down. And in it, he talks about the business of sharing the gospel with others and he gives five objections that we as Christians can make for not sharing the gospel uh, with others. The heading is, but I just don't feel comfortable talking to others about God. So his third objection that we can sometimes make is, well, I witness with my life. I try to live a good life. So we can say, well, the way I live is, is good enough. I don't need to speak. I don't need to say anything. So he writes, in other words, I think I bring other people to Jesus by being a really nice person. But the gospel is, in its essence, an announcement about what Jesus did to save people, 
not a presentation of what a good person you are. Sharing that announcement requires words because you can't really explain what Jesus did through charades. Trying to share the gospel without using words is like watching a newscast with the sound turned off. I may realise the newscaster looks excited, but I don't know why. And if he's telling me about danger heading my direction, I'd like to know specifically what he's saying. Some Christians appeal to the quip attributed to Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel. When necessary, use words. With all due respect for St Francis, how can you preach the gospel of Christ's finished work without words? That's like saying, tell me your phone number. If necessary, use numbers. The announcement consists of words. A generous, humble, gracious, sacrificial, holy life can wonderfully complement the proclaimed gospel but it can never substitute for it. I know that the business of speaking of what Jesus, who Jesus is, what he's done for us, is hard for many of us. And that's why as a church, we've got to uh, equip ourselves, encourage each other to get better at it. So please uh, encourage us in what we put together, the programmes we offer in the business of helping uh, one another to speak of Christ. So in conclusion, what have we learnt uh, this evening? Well, just as Thessalonica uh, was a tough place to hold on to and to trust the wonderful uh, saving news of all that Jesus has done, uh, so too the culture, Cambridge, for us. And we should never be surprised about the temptation to, uh, to turn back and go with the crowd. But we're to be thankful uh, to God for those godly leaders that he gives his church, uh, to pray for them, to encourage them, as they set an example to us and share their lives uh, by doing the same thing, uh, sharing our lives with one another as we speak the gospel to each other and to those who have yet to hear it. Uh, let me lead us in a prayer. Uh, Father God, we thank you that your word is a living word to us. Uh, thank you that it came to the Thessalonians with power. And we pray that it would come to us tonight with that same power, the power of your spirit. Uh, so Father, please would you encourage us uh, in the business of following those that you have put over us. Please would you help us to pray for them. And Father, please would we be a church that delights uh, to uh, share lives, to get close to one another, not to be afraid as we share the wonderful gospel that you've given us uh, with one another and with the world. And we pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name and to your glory. Amen.